Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 is where we're going to be. We are literally in the middle of the Gospel of Mark. It's 16 chapters, and we're right here on chapter 8. And it not only is the literary center of the book, but it's also a turning point in the way that Mark is portraying or displaying this story of Jesus. Just before the text that we are going to read, we're going to start in verse 31. But right before that text, there's this story that takes place in a region, in a community called Caesarea Philippi. And it's a beautiful region, very, very cool story happens there. It's the story in which Peter declares that Jesus is the Mashiach, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, upon this truth, upon this idea, I will build my church. That's what he says. That just happened. Jesus quizzes his disciples. Peter gets it right. Jesus says, gold star for you. This is good. Everything's great. And this is sort of the way that things are going. At this moment, we would expect that the story is just going to go up from here. I mean, this is what he came for. He came to share the message that he's the Messiah, that the Messiah is here. Some groundwork has been laid. Demon possessions have been solved. Some illnesses healed. The hungry have been fed. Jesus has proven he is the Messiah. And now one of his disciples, took him a little while, but he says it. He declares that he's right. Peter is right. So I know we know what's going to happen to Jesus, but if we were living in that moment, if for just this morning we imagined that we did not know how the story was going to go, you would think, This is the beginning of something awesome. Everyone, everyone around is going to see that this is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the rightful uh, king in the line of King David. This is him, and he is actually the hero of the entire globe's story. That's going to be good. This is going to be a good thing, but that's not what happens, right? He He is rejected. He's rejected. I, I saw a video here recently. I've seen similar videos before, and you probably have seen one of these. It's one of those funny, just uh, good, wholesome things that makes you laugh. Uh, the video depicted these two adults, um, older adults, walking towards what appeared to be their grandchild, all right? Can you picture that? Can you see that? There's a a grandmother, she's out front, grandfather's a few steps behind her, and they are walking towards a toddler, a young boy, and uh, the, 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 the grandchild has his arms out. He's happy. He's excited to see his grandparents. You know, that's what happens. Running towards them, there's going to be no rules. There's going to be candy. There's going to be ice cream all on that side. Evil parents are back here, you know, and they're up there. And so he's running towards her. And right when she sees him, she drops down, arms wide open, ready to receive him. And right there at the last moment, he runs around her and into the arms of grandpa. Have y'all seen those videos? Grandma's shocked. She's like, what's going on here? And it's obvious he likes grandpa the most. That is rejection. That is a deep sense of rejection that I can only look forward to, right? We've been rejected. 
We've all been rejected. You've been rejected in the job interviews. You know, you didn't get it. You've been rejected when there were raises or promotions handed out and none of them came your way. You've been romantically rejected. She or he liked someone else, not nearly as cool as you, but her loss. You've been cut from the team or didn't make the team. You've been excluded from the get together. There was a social event. You found out about it on Instagram. That stinks, right? When friends are hanging out, nobody invited you. Maybe your favorite team was rejected four times in a row on the goal line yesterday against their rival in Dallas. One yard and uh, four times turned over on downs. You might even be or sometimes feel rejected from the church or from religious leaders. Rejection is a tough pill to swallow. It's hard because it's not accidental. Rejection happens because someone else is intentional to exclude you or to exclude others. And on top of that, that's why it hurts so bad. And on top of that, there is this assumption of worth or this valuation in which the rejector perceives themselves to be more valuable than the rejected, all right? And whether or not we believe it or agree with it, whether or not you would tell your friend that that's not true, it still feels like it's true. And in a lot of ways, Perception and feeling are reality. Each time it hurts to various degrees and it's not really something that we want to relive and it's certainly not something that we want to pursue or to go after. This passage today in uh, chapter 8, 31 down to about 35, these are going to talk about some various degrees of rejection and it's going to give us a Christian or a Jesus point of view on rejection. Maybe. Maybe it is that rejection, not all forms of rejection are bad. Maybe it is that there are certain aspects of thinking deeply about rejection in which we should not avoid, but embrace. All right, so let's look at the text here. This is going to start in verse 31. I'm just going to read one and a half verses to begin with. Mark 8, 31 says, And then he began to teach them that it was necessary or that he must you underline that word there that it was necessary for the son of man to a couple of things here one suffer many things to be rejected by the elders chief priests scribes and three be killed for rise after three days he spoke openly about this or plainly your text might say it was clear as day and as loud as he could make it this is what is about to happen It says that he began to teach them. That's tied to then, listen, then he began. Then what? Then after Peter said, you are the Messiah. Then after that, he says, speaking of Messiah, Messiah, son of man is going to suffer, be rejected, be killed and raise again the third day. But there's a key word there, necessary, that he must be rejected. He must suffer. This is not something that would have been expected. This is not the way that we would have planned it to go. What the Messiah, the hero is going to be killed? It doesn't make sense. It it doesn't compute. But this is something that wasn't hidden from the Jews. Now, while the first century Jews would have maybe not fully grasped the idea here, Isaiah 53 verse 3 had already declared he was despised and rejected by man. 
a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Jesus clearly taught that he would be rejected. Later on in chapter 10, verse 45, he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to what? Give his life a ransom for others, to lay down his life. Later on in Mark chapter 14, while he's talking about the Lord's supper, that last supper before he is crucified, in that moment, he said about the, about the wine, he says, this is, this is like my blood that will be poured out for you. They didn't really grasp it, but Jesus never hid from the fact that it was a part, it was necessary, it must happen that in order for the Messiah to do what the Messiah needed to do, he would be killed. But why? Why is it that Jesus had to be killed, rejected and suffer? Why couldn't Jesus just live a good life? live a good life, and then that be good enough? Well, in a manner of speaking, it's because this is a death penalty case. Someone has to die. The Bible very clearly says that the wages of sin is death, that the consequence is the result. When you rebel against God, the, the overall uh, uh, stature, the overall place against God results in dying. Someone is going to die. That is treason against the crown. That is treason against the throne of God. And so someone's going to die. That was our penalty. And yet Jesus takes on that penalty himself. Why? Why was it necessary? Because he's the only one that could pay the penalty and survive it. You couldn't survive it. You couldn't survive it. You couldn't make it past that. We needed somebody else to do it. We, it's it's necessary that there's a sacrifice on our behalf. That's why Jesus says, look, it is necessary, regardless of what you think, I gotta suffer, I gotta die for you. And look, that same you is not just Peter, it's not just the early church, it's, it's you. It's, it's all of you sitting here today, it's those of you watching online, it's even those of you who will listen to these podcasts later, listen, that you is you. Jesus died, he paid that price so that you could have life. It is necessary. What's also interesting about this text is that Jesus says, who will reject him? He says it will be rejected by the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Turns out everybody's going to reject him. The entire globe is going to reject Jesus. His friends are going to turn their back. Most of his family is going to run away. The Romans are going to be the ones that nail him to the cross. But what is interesting, the aspect Jesus wants to point out here is that it is the religious leaders, the people who've spent their entire lives, their entire education, their entire positions looking for the Messiah, and he's there and they don't, they don't see him. They're the ones that are going to reject him. Those who have the, the eyes to see and yet willfully choose ignorance. Talking to them, Jesus says in John chapter 5, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them and yet they testify about me, Jesus. But you are not willing to come to me that you can have life. You are not willing. They had the answer. They knew the answers. 
They were written down and they had the person standing in front of them. It wasn't that they didn't know. It wasn't that they didn't have opportunity. It wasn't that they couldn't see. It's that they just didn't want to. Willful ignorance is what they chose. Jesus points that out. He is going to be rejected by those who just want to. But it's not the first time that he's going to be rejected. He has to be rejected on the cross, but that's not going to be the first time that he's rejected. In fact, the very next verse. Isn't that crazy? Jesus predicts things and it immediately happens. Mark chapter 8, verse 32, 33. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, reject what he was saying. But turning around and looking at the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. We tend to read this story like uh, we right? Like when you read that, when I read that, you gravitate towards the, the part where Jesus calls him Satan. Like you, you ignore everything else and you're like, I want to know what that's going on, right? Is Peter Satan? You know, that sort of stuff. We gravitate toward that because it feels like, it feels awkward. If you're the other disciples, how many of you would be like, this is awkward, I want out of this, right? Two seconds ago, Jesus, you just called him like a genius. You said you're going to build your church on what he says, and now he's Satan? Can't keep up. I can't keep up with what's going on here. It's like when you were a kid and your, and your siblings were getting in trouble right in front of you, and it was one of those moments where you liked them, and you're like, oh, this is awkward, you know, because I actually am the one who broke that thing. But if asked, I don't have any idea, right? You ever been on a date with another couple and they start to squabble at each other? You're like, check. No. I want to go. Jesus calls him Satan, but here's what's important. That's not what's going on. Jesus, uh, Peter's not the one getting rejected here. Jesus is. Jesus just made this declaration, I'm going to suffer and die. Peter pulls him off to the side and says, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Pulls him off to the side, respectful like, wants to make sure he's respecting the Lord, respecting the rabbi. I'm going to pull him off to the side and teach him a thing or two. It's very respectful disobedience and disrespect. So he pulls him off to the side and says, listen, Jesus, I don't know if you know, but we've got certain standards around here for Messiahs. They like our, our leaders. We want our Messiahs killing other people, not being killed. You maybe misspoke. That's okay. Everybody misspeaks. This is, we have a certain standard for our Messiahs. The ones that we're looking for are going to sit on the, on the, on the throne of David. They're going to attack Rome and win. Can't be like, kill. and listen, like I know you guys have had some words, you and the scribes and the Pharisees, but they're not against you. They like you. I mean, they're good religious folks. They've been, they've been scribes and Pharisees for a long time. They love you. They're good people. That's what Peter, he's correcting the perception here because as we read Mark, we know things that Mark doesn't, or that Peter doesn't know at this point. We know that the Pharisees have already decided we're going to kill him. We know that. The Pharisees know that. Peter don't know that. That's why he pulls him off to the side and he corrects Jesus respectfully. See, Jesus is the one being rejected here. He's the one being pushed aside. And to that, Jesus turns around and says, did you guys hear what he just said? He says, get behind me, Satan. Because you're concerned with human things, not concerned with God things. So about that Satan thing, Jesus is not calling Peter Satan. It's not like Jesus thinks, wait, this is the devil. That's not what he's saying. He's not thinking that the devil is controlling Peter. What he's saying is you're acting in the way that Satan wants you to act. You're acting the way that Satan would act. 
You're divisive. You're accusing. You're pushing back on the words of Jesus. So he says, stop, don't, don't act like, don't act like Satan. You're all wrapped up in your own stuff and you need to be concerned. You need to put your mind on the things of God. It's really fascinating. The verb there, what he says is your mind is not set on the things of God. It's an active, continual action. What it means is this, Jesus says, Peter, you're, you're not forcing your brain back to the truth, back to the things of God. You're letting it wander into fear and anxiety. You're letting it wander into worry. It's the same, it's the same sort of uh, encouragement for us to realize that our minds are powerful things. And sometimes they feel stronger than us. But it takes an active discipline to constantly force it back, to constantly push it back to the things of God. He says that you need to set your mind on these things. So here's what's happening. Jesus then turns around and he takes this moment. Remember, here's the, here's the key elements. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's right. Speaking of Messiah, the Messiah is gonna suffer and die and be rejected. No, nah, Jesus, that's not right. I reject that idea. That's on the outside. And Jesus says, something's wrong about that. But listen, hey, everybody, I've got something to tell you about Jesus. If you're gonna follow me, you need to be rejected too. You need to be rejected too. Look at verse 34. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny let him reject himself, take up his cross, and follow me. As a follower of Jesus, we do as Jesus did. We participate in the rejection that Jesus suffered. The world rejected Jesus. We should expect the same. But that's not the emphasis that Jesus is making here. He's not talking about being rejected by the world. He's talking about this, this nuance, this, this other idea. You need to reject yourself. You need to deny yourself. Now, throughout history, self-denial has been understood to mean like uh, denying yourself pleasures. Like you're going to deny yourself sexual pleasures or, or food or meals or, or happiness that we receive in the world, that we're not going to be happy because if I'm not happy, then I'm closer to God. We sort of have that idea. We think that Christians aren't supposed to be happy. We're not supposed to enjoy the good created things that God has given us, but that's ridiculous. God created those things so that we would enjoy them, so that we would give glory to God through the enjoyment of those things. Pope John Paul II famously would take a belt and hit himself repeatedly until he was in pain. Why? In some sort of pursuit to be closer to Jesus in his suffering. But that's not something that's taught in scripture. That's not something that we need to do. Jesus doesn't want you hurt. He just knows that you might get hurt. He's saying that you need to deny yourself. So then what does it mean? If I'm not denying myself pleasures or, 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 or food or happiness, what am I denying myself? Well, it's in the context. Context is key, it always is. You are the Messiah, the Messiah must suffer. That's not the way that we think Messiahs should go. Jesus says, look, if you're gonna follow me, you've gotta deny, you gotta reject the idea that you're the Messiah. 
base, it's primary. See, and I think most of us in this room, nearly every one of you watching online, every one of you here would say, of course, I would never think that I'm the Messiah. What kind of crazy person thinks that they're Messiah? The crazy person that thinks that, you know, if I wasn't on this team, the whole thing would fall apart. The crazy person that thinks, you know, if I ever walked out of this job, this whole place would burn down. I have to, I have to overexert myself. I have to go the extra mile. I have to burn the candle at both ends. Why? Because my family is ultimately dependent on me. It's the kind of person that walks around constantly picking up burdens that they weren't made to carry. It's constantly picking up responsibilities that they weren't made to bear and holding those up. Why? Because they are the hero of every story. And a base reality of Christianity is understanding you're not the hero. The world has a Messiah and you ain't him. We have to remember that it's a freeing thing. Man, I hope the best for everybody that I meet and know, but the best is not me. The best is Jesus. You have to reject that idea. I've played um, basketball, you know, with my kids their whole lives, go out to the, the driveway, play a little basketball kind of thing. My second son, he's really into basketball. He, he loves it. He's getting better at it. He's good at it. Uh, he enjoys it. He just eat, drink, sleep basketball, right? And when he was little, he would go to play basketball. We'd go out there and play and he'd go to shoot and I would just stuff it every single time, right? He go to shoot and I just slam it right in his face or knock the ball way out of the, make him go get it, you know? And I'd be like, not in my house, that kind of thing. You know, I do that. I can't do that anymore. He's good. He's like really good. If I go to try to block him, he'll just go around me and then do some easy looking layup. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll do something. I don't even know what he does. You know, he does this thing, goes around me, makes me look like a fool. He'll ask me to go out there and play with him. I'll be like, maybe just for a little bit. Until you embarrass me, that's how this is going to go, right? That's when, when, when somebody goes to shoot it and you jump up in front of them and you just slam it. What's that? What is that? That's rejected. That's denied. Stuffed. Here's the idea. You got to get to the point in your life where the second that stuff starts coming out, the, the, the moment... You start thinking everything is about you and your preferences and your comfort and your safety and your security. The moment that starts, you just, not in my house. Out, no, that's not right. I'm not the hero. I'm not the savior. I'm not the king. I'm not the queen. It's about others, it's about God. Rejected, that's the negative. You gotta knock that stuff off. And then you got to pick up your cross. This would be the positive action, but it is equally hard. The cross was a Roman execution for those who rebelled against the crown. If you went against Caesar, then you deserved to die according to the Roman idea. There is a crown, and if you go against that, you will suffer the consequences. Jesus is saying, it's the same thing. Look, the whole world gives you a crown, and you a crown, and you a crown. You're in charge your whole life. It's all about what you want, follow your heart. And what Jesus is saying, if you go against that crown, there's gonna be consequences. You gotta be willing to take those consequences. And it doesn't sound like there will be, but there will be. 
Look, for those who are Jesus followers, we don't go into meetings, we don't go into settings where we just puff ourselves up. We're humble. So you don't get to climb the ladder as fast. When we're in certain circumstances, then a lot of times we'll take the bullet. We'll sacrifice for the good of the other people, or not even for the other person, but for the good of the whole. You do that, you're sacrificing. There's going to be consequences. You're not going to climb the ladder as fast. You're not going to sell yourself as easily. You're going to have integrity and character. So the things that you say in front of people, you're also going to say behind closed doors and they're going to match. There's going to be that sort of stuff. And all of that, as good as it is, carries consequences. You're going to say the truth even if you're going to be the one to suffer because of what the truth is. A lot of times when you go up against evil and you say the truth, the consequences are going to pour over back on you. You got to be willing to do that. That's taking up your cross. You deny yourself, you take up your cross. But guys, listen, it would be reasonable for you to stop at this moment and go, why would I want to do that? How about I don't and then just be nice to people, right? Like that's a path and that honestly is the path most Christians take. I won't really deny myself, but I won't. Uh, like I'll only promote myself a little bit, right? And when the consequences come, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shift, I'll blame. Look, we don't live our lives denying what we want and taking the consequences of just what this world is. We don't do that. We avoid the consequences no matter what. And we live our lives for ourselves. But Jesus says in the next couple of verses, I've got a slide that'll uh, show up here. It's interesting in the Greek, the way that I put this slide together, or Rich did for me, was that to show you that all four verses in the Greek begin with a word uh, that's it's, it's gar, gar, G-A-R is the word. It means four. They're all causes. They're all supportive actions. So you can read verse 34. So if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me daily. Four, and then you can pick any one of them. The order doesn't necessarily matter. For what can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever wants to, uh, well, whoever gives up his life will save it. You can do that. In other words, I'm not going to break all four of those down. But in other words, what Jesus is saying is this. Look, if you want to follow me, you got to stop pretending you're in charge of things. Stop pretending that you're the Messiah and deal with the consequences of it. Just like I have dealt with the consequences of it. Because it's, because it's the path to life. Because that's the way that you find life. And you'll make me really proud. You'll be really proud. I'll, I'll be proud of you if you do that. That's what Jesus, and those are compelling circumstances. I do want to point out that there's not a fifth four. There's not a fifth four meaning that Jesus doesn't say, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me daily. Four, that's what I did for you and you owe me. Jesus doesn't say that. Your salvation, that relationship with Jesus is secured in the actions of Jesus. We don't deny ourselves to take up our cross in order to earn our salvation. I'm not paying Jesus back. I'm being like my hero. I'm being like the one who saved me, who gave me grace when nobody else wanted to. And 
I certainly did not deserve it. These are the reasons. There's this upside down logic. You are the Messiah. The Messiah must suffer. We don't want our Messiahs to suffer. Listen, he's going to, and it's the path to life. You got to do the same as the Messiah. Throughout scripture, there's these uh, deeper, more beautiful, nuanced meanings, if you really think about it. Jesus tells Peter, you're not thinking the way that God thinks. You need to have the Christian perspective. So two things real quick. First of all, is that the persons being rejected in the story is right. Jesus and you, yourself, that's who needs to be rejected in the story. And yet, in a way, it's not. Like Jesus is getting rejected, but it's not. Look, the scribes, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, and even Peter, they had these unreasonable, unrealistic expectations on Jesus. Nobody's disappointed in the person of Jesus. They're all disappointed in what they expected Jesus to be. They wanted Jesus to be a hero, wanted him to be a, a warrior, wanted him to kill and destroy and to put them back up in their spot. They wanted a Jesus that was motivated by their interest. And when he wasn't, let's kill that one. You see, the rejection is actually a rejection of a false Jesus. And the same goes for you. You live your life thinking you're in charge and that this whole thing revolves around you. And what Jesus is asking you to do is to reject that. Reject the false you. This is not Jesus telling you to self-loathe or self-hate. It's exactly the opposite. Denying yourself is not hating yourself. Jesus wants you to love you. Jesus loves you the way that he created you with your abilities and your strengths and your personality quirks and your person uh, and, and your like uh, your sense of humor and the way that you speak and the way that you understand it. Jesus likes that. He's saying reject the idea that you're in charge of something. Reject the fake you that tries to impress other people. Reject the fake you that lives up to somebody else's standard and accept the you, the you that needs a God, the you that loves the God, the you that needs Jesus. Accept that fake, reject, accept real. And that's where acceptance is, or rejection is actually acceptance. Reject the fake to accept the real, what Jesus wants you to do is reject your own crown. Rebel against your kingdom. Personal treason. Because that's the way that you find life. It's an upside down logic. So you ultimately get to this idea of rejecting the false you and accepting the true Jesus. When we talk about rejection for this morning, we're, we're talking spiritually. We're talking about the idea of the text is our spiritual rejection and, and, and our emotional and our mental rejection. And it would be logical for some of you to go, that's good. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to journal it, devotional, stuff like that. I'm going to be a better Christian. But what do I do when I'm like rejected? What do I do when somebody pushes me out? What do I do when I'm on the outside? Well, that's not the main point of the text, but I think that there are some implications to it. Y'all know, know what a neti pot is? 
Y'all know that? That's that thing where you like get some warm salt water, it's a little blue pot, and you put it in one nostril and you turn your, no- your head sideways and the water runs out of the other nostril, hopefully with all the stuff that was in your sinuses. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then there's a navage, and that's like the electric version. How many of you are just like anti these things completely? You think they're witchcraft, they're devil? Okay. And how many of you think they are God's gift to your sinuses? Look, I'm with you. I am. These things work. They work. My wife is against it. She won't do it. Uh, My boys used to be against it, but they don't have a choice, unlike her. So I made them do it. And now they accept it. They like it. Every time the weather changes, like it's changing right now, sinuses come in here, like Arkansas tries to kill you. Every time that that happens, um, I'll tell my wife, I'll say, listen, just embrace the discomfort. Just go ahead and make yourself uncomfortable because after you do, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You'll be healed. You get all that out and you'll feel good. Listen, that's the same thing with rejection. There's a part of it where I am just telling you, I'm encouraging you just to accept a certain level of rejection. First, it's part of being a Jesus follower. If you're following Jesus, then you will be rejected to some degree. And that's the key, it's following Jesus. We all expect somebody to be, to be mean or to isolate you based on superficial things, but we never expect it when it comes to being a Jesus follower, but you should. He said it would happen. You stand for principles, you have character, you have integrity. There are gonna be people, even religious leaders, that will reject you for it. It's part of it. Secondly, when that's happening, you reject the false you. It's just me and you talking, all right? Nobody else is in here, just me and you. Just the two of us. Sometimes when you're upset, aren't you really upset just because you feel like they were disrespecting you. Like your comfort got questioned, your respect, your great name. Really, you're not harmed, but I mean, they kind of disrespected you. In those moments, what I'm telling you is, reject the false you. Look, it's like I always tell people, I'm way worse than anything you've heard. I'm way worse. We all are. We've done way more than your worst enemy has thrown at you. We don't deserve grace, none of us. And so in those moments where you feel rejected, just recall to your mind, you know what? Could be worse, could be worse. I'm not that great. So it's part of it. Reject the false you that wears that little crown and thinks you're special. And then third, accept the true Jesus. Follow the true Jesus. You don't wanna reject yourself just to follow some other man-made rules and, uh, and wisdom. It is just as deadly to follow a fool off a cliff as it is to run yourself off that same cliff. Don't follow false wisdom. Follow true Jesus that serves his enemies, that loves others, makes much of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.